The word of the Lord presented for you today from the Old Testament reading of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, and the Holy Gospel of St. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. I encourage you to read these passages before you continue listening to the sermon. You may pause here. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation comes from the Old Testament reading of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 21 to 28, and focuses on the Holy Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. And serves as the basis of our theme for the purification of Mary and the presentation of our Lord, he was always meant to be. In life, we meet the one we are supposed to meet. And then we have children, grandchildren, and if we are really lucky, even great-grandchildren. Now, granted, the Apostle Paul does say in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 to the unmarried and widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. So there are some that have no desire for such a life, whether by nature or circumstance. But in case people misunderstand, Paul does quickly clarify saying, if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to be aflame with passion. But for the rest of us, not better as such. We know the importance of children, and some understand even more. Hannah's pain at not being able to have a child, and then being granted a child by God, knowing you must give him to God, instead of raising him yourself. Maybe you know about that agony. Maybe you don't. We can say with certitude, Hannah did. First Samuel 1, we learn that Hannah's husband, Elkanah, had not followed God's ideal of marriage and taken two women in marriage. Penania, and our focus today, Hannah. Penania had children, and Hannah did not. And Penania was not gracious about it either. We learn in verse 6 that Hannah's rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. With no indication as to why God closed her womb, we can only endlessly and needlessly speculate. But we do know in verse 10, not having children, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. For Hannah... In these days, lack of children put her economic and social status in jeopardy. For her future ended with her husband, Elkanah. Maybe you've seen a young woman struggle in a similar circumstance today. All of her friends are planning baby showers, first birthday parties, and talking about the best preschool options when they turn two or three. And she is there virtually isolated from everyone socially because her child with her husband has not arrived as yet. And she is not a part of the clique with kids. 
It is impossible to understand her pain unless you've been there. Maybe you know how to comfort her. Most of us do not. There is Hannah, all alone. And God knew and had a child ready for her that was always meant to be. Hannah's prayers were answered, but now Hannah was to fulfill the vow she made in her prayer in verse 11. If you will indeed give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor will touch his head. Numbers 6.5 explains the razor not touching his head is a visual sign of a man being dedicated to the Lord as a Nazarite deacon. And so today in our lesson, Hannah makes good on her vow and brings her son to give up her son in full service to the priest. Here she brings Samuel today, having been weaned, just a little boy, now ready to serve. Now we all probably wonder together, what can he possibly do? Well, it was up to the priest Eli what Samuel would do. For his sons were proving to be worthless in their duties. So bad were their exploits in chapter 2 that it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. But in the midst of all their dereliction of duty and shame, Samuel continued to grow both in stature and favor with the Lord and also with man. Those very words and Hannah's watching from afar must have comforted the whole company of Israel as they were coming off some of the worst times in the Israelite history under the judges, both good and evil alike. What was the future going to look like for a community with their enemies all around? How would God take care of them with the empire of Egypt still looming in the rearview mirror and the Philistines and sea peoples were on the rise looking for any opportunity to sweep across the promised land and dominate them with their language, their culture, and their gods? Samuel, growing in stature with God and man, likely comforted the whole company of Israel, humble Vulnerable little Israel, the 12 tribes holding on for dear life in a land still just recently granted to them with enemies all about ready to take it right back. Fast forward to the gospel today and the presentation of our Lord Jesus and the purification of Mary. Another young woman, Mary, is bringing her firstborn to the temple. Only this time, she is not giving him to the Lord. Rather, he is the Lord. He is God in the flesh to Mary and Joseph. Rather, Mary and Joseph and all of humankind belong to him. He is the child that was always meant to be that would fill the hearts of the lonely and barren. He would give life where there was formerly death. He would be the savior of the nations who do not even know they need to be saved. How ironic that Mary's country was not unlike Hannah's in a certain way. Here was a country at the crossroads of its existence as well. The Babylonians had already changed their language and the common Hebrew of the day reflected the Aramaic language they brought back from captivity. 
Their culture was changed by forces that already took the promised land. The Greeks continued their domination by forcing their gods and language on God's people, even sacrificing a pig on the altar of the Lord, an abomination beyond belief in Hannah's day. And now the Romans were dictating the civil discourse, the laws, and even their governor with the counterfeit king of the Jews sitting on his throne with their expressed approval. While they were given relative religious freedom, that was only as long as the Romans allowed, for they had the means to crush any nation, especially one as tiny as Judah, anytime they wanted to. And we know that in 70 AD, they did just that. Where was the hope of God's people then? The temple was destroyed. Their people scattered over an empire that cared little for them. There would be no future at all for God's people as far as the world was concerned. But he was always meant to be. People come and go. People get married. And eventually people get buried. Babies become adolescents and then grow to get married themselves. Cities rise, countries are created, then conquered. Many merge boundaries until they are no more. Languages are learned and then eventually die, never to be spoken again. Laws are made and then made to be broken. Then lawlessness rules until new laws for new people remember little about the ethics of the past. The more things change, the more things stay the same until things change so much, they're never the same again. It was as true in Abraham's day as it was in King David's day, as it was in Mary and Joseph's day, even to today. Through it all, there was always Jesus who increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man just like Samuel did, a comfort and a prophet to the Israelites of old. But Samuel died, and we only know about him because of the scripture Jesus made sure could not be broken. But Jesus, even though he died right on that cross for the sins of each and every one of us in this sanctuary and the whole world for all time, lives. He lives, having risen from the dead after his burial in the tomb, walking out through the opening with the stone, having been removed aside by the angels who confirmed his absence from death. He lives through the missionary journeys of Paul, who proclaimed the gospel to kingdom after kingdom, which actively persecuted him for sharing this truth. He lives through the dark ages and the monasteries that carefully preserved his sacred words and sacred books that eventually became Bibles in the churches all over the Middle East and even to Europe. He lives in the Reformation when those Bibles were carefully and faithfully translated into English and German so that everyone, not just the priest, could read for themselves to God's word and meditate on Jesus and likewise grow in statue in favor with God and with man to serve them, their Savior, and do the will of the Father. 
He lives right here and right now in our mission to Eustace, our ministering to school children, and desire to seek the unchurched so we and they may grow in stature and favor with God who comes to grow in us and make his dwelling here. Does your life hurt? Are you suffering? Maybe you are just lost and not sure where you're supposed to be. Do these times confuse you, especially about what you're supposed to be? Take heart, dear brothers and sisters. The mission was always clear to God. Your identity was always wrapped up in him through your holy baptism. And your life buried deep in the bowels of Hades, where Christ descended to take it back from Satan himself. You were never left alone. You were never left to die. You were never left to wonder who you belong to because Jesus died to live for you and in you. He was always meant to be. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus always. Amen.